Hello, hello. Welcome to Sketch Therapist, the podcast that improves your sketch life. I'm your host, Roshan Curé, and this week's episode comes to you from County Wicklow on the east coast of Ireland, where I'm spending a couple of weeks with my father. My mother is away. So I have been in and out of Dublin City and some of the bits and pieces in this week's episode come to you from the heart of Dublin. I hope you enjoy it. I'm outside Stephen's Green and uh, in Dublin city centre and I hope you can hear me over the roar of traffic but I, I really had to share something that just happened. So I buy a sandwich in Insomnia, a cup of iced coffee and I decide not to sit in in Insomnia. That was my big mistake. And I decide to go and sit in Stephen's Green, the wonderful park and green area of Dubliners since time began. And I'm very familiar with Stephen's Green because I've not alone have I visited there umpteen million times, but I've drawn it and I've done tons of, of I don't know, cultural things and less cultural in Stephen's Green. So I sit down on a bench and I see a big pile of seagulls march towards me and suddenly I feel something brush against my I feel something brush against my shoulder and I'm being mugged from behind by a seagull who's trying to take my sandwich but his aim is poor I've just happened to stand in a really busy bus lane, bus lane. I need to move well not in a bus lane but close to one <clears throat> anyway his aim was poor and he didn't get my lovely sandwich um, but I got a bit of a well I got a slight fright but more than that I felt very outraged how dare the uh, creatures of the air try and take my lunch kind of thing so I moved out of the way and I suddenly was aware of seagulls above me around me below me in great great hordes well flocks and I say okay this isn't working so I move somewhere else and they follow me they watch me and then I think okay this isn't going to work at all I need to go out so I head out towards the exit to go out and I hear screaming and a shrieking and there are two women being chased by a thousand million seagulls. And this, this is the thing. One of the women is pushing a buggy with a baby in it. And this, she's got some chips or something in a container on the, uh, the resting area of the buggy between the handles, which is what the seagulls are after. And she screams. She thinks, well, I don't know what she thinks. But anyway, she's in a complete panic. She screams, throws her hands up and runs. The baby buggy falls over. The baby's in the buggy. She leaves the buggy with the baby in it, turned over on the ground. The chips go flying. The seagulls get what they want. The woman's friend is almost dead from laughing. But the woman who's, I think, the mom, hope she wasn't the babysitter, because she wasn't sitting the baby very well, she, uh, she goes back to get her baby and doesn't check the baby or anything. My God, the baby didn't wake up. I think the baby's asleep. But Janie Mack... That was almost seagullicide. Oh no, babyside, infanticide. Infanticide at the hands of seagull assassins. That was really bad. Anyway, off they went. The friend shrieking, 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 shrieking with laughter. So I say, okay. And I eat one of my sandwiches, but I've still got another one to go. And I decide to go in the side gate of the Stevens Green where there are fewer, where there are fewer canny seagulls. And so I do that. And... Uh, a couple of seagulls spot me 
and they start to walk slowly after me. Waddle, 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 waddle. Slowly but assuredly after me. They've spotted me. They've spotted my sandwich. Nice sandwich too. Very good taste, these seagulls. And so I kind of eat it, sort of covering it with my hand so that the seagulls can't attack me from above. And all the while I'm circling, I'm spinning, trying to watch out for seagulls behind me. I've always laughed at people, you know, with their terror of seagulls, but I'm afraid I'm... Okay, big noise, motorbike. Clearly a very cool motorcyclist, missing a a silencer. Anyway, so then I leave Stephen's Green altogether, and I've got a little bit of sandwich left, and I see a seagull following me. And he stands on a post, one of the posts that are marking the exit to Stevens Green. And he's watching me with his little yellow eye. He's watching me and his head's turned sideways because that's the only way he can see. So I say to myself, instead of going, I'm going to get out of here. I don't want the seagull to take my sandwich. I think, ha, I'm a human. You're a bird. Watch this. So I go over to the post and I stand kind of just underneath the ledge at the very top. There's a tiny little bit of stone kind of cap. And the seal can't see over the edge unless he precariously stands at the edge. So I'm standing there and I'm munching away thinking, ha, 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 ha. But the seagull is, he gets down and he comes around to, <laughs> to, to, to approach me from the side. And uh, so, so, so there ensues there, a ridiculous farcical game of musical chairs where I nip behind the fence, he nips behind the fence. I go to the other side of the post, I hide. I'm not sure if it's musical chairs or musical statues, but maybe it's just, I don't know, musical sandwich eating with the seagull in tow. And uh, I, I actually felt like going, ha, 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 to the seagull because the, I positioned it so that the railings were between me and the seagull. And you could tell he was estimating the gap in the, in the railing so that he could swipe my sambo. But, uh, you know, like I said, him bird, me person. And I was able to uh, elude him. And I felt, as I took my last bite, I felt a mixture of feeling sorry for it and satisfaction that I ate my sandwich without getting thoroughly mugged. So there you go, guys. If you're going to eat your sandwich on Saving Screen, be warned. And the other thing is, stand with your back to something so they can't approach you from behind. I'm telling you, these Dublin seagulls, don't mess with them, man. Well, I'm sketching inside one of the museums in Dublin City and I was using a pot of water and I was using paints which may or may not be contraband depending on which museum you're in and one of the security guards passed me and he said to me "Uh, excuse me you know I don't know about the present fella but I'm not sure you're allowed to use water and paints in the museum and I said, oh, I'm very sorry. Do you want me to put it away? Said, no, no, no. You're all, re- you're all re- for now. It's just that um, I don't know about this gaffer. It's not me. It's not me who has a problem with it. It's the gaffer. But uh, I'm not sure how he feels about it. But uh, the last fellow would have had a Chernobyl. So I don't know how this fellow... But you're all right for today. Don't worry about it. So I got on with it. It's very nice of him. I had been looking around inside Kennedy's shop, art shop in Dublin City. I think they're called Universal Art Supplies now. And I was looking around and enjoying myself and buying this and that. And 
I didn't buy very much because I'm, I'm careful. You know, we all know about buying art materials that just don't get used. But my eyes were uh, caught, my eye was caught by a box of watercolours under the brand name Rosa. And they're Ukrainian. They're a set of watercolours. And in the shop, they had them in 12, 12 full pans or 21 full pans. And I didn't think much more of it. And off I went about my business. And they were very economical. And I thought, OK, another set of paints that is great value for money, but not exactly what I want for my colours. But then I was sitting having coffee with a friend of mine a little while later. This is last last week. And she told me that she had used the Rosa watercolours and that they were really, really good. So I decided to go and see for myself. I, off I went into Dublin City the next day and I bought myself a set of 12 full pans. I have to tell you guys, they are amazing. They are the set of 12 classic. I think they call it the classic palette. And it's really good. It's really, really good. It's got two yellows, two reds, two greens, two blues, two browns and something else. A black and something else. Can't remember what. Maybe three browns. Burnt. There's an umber, there's a yellow ochre and there's one. Oh yeah, there's sepia. So it's a great selection of colours, but it remains to be seen how they actually work in a sketch because I haven't tried them yet. I've tried the colours, but I haven't actually put them to the test in terms of painting something. So that'll be very exciting. That'll be very exciting. So I've been in touch with Rosa and um, I want to find out more about their urban sketching palette. That's one of the palettes they do. And they have a mono pigment palette as well. So I'm very excited. So guys, if you see Rosa watercolours, give them a try. They will not break the bank and they are really, really good quality. So there you go. There's my little tip for you. I met the friend who told me about the Rosa watercolours for coffee and we met in Kilrodery House in Bray in County Wicklow and it's a really nice place. I've probably, yes I did, I would have told you about it before in the pod because I taught there in June to a huge big group of people who came over from Pinterest. They were being treated by Pinterest, their employers, to a nice little day out in Kilrudgery House with a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I was one of the little bits that were being offered in the form of a bit of teaching, a bit of sketching. So I was back there again uh, last week, but in a casual capacity, in a civvies. And my friend and I sat in the corner of the coffee place which is very nice and I highly recommend it. They keep it really nice and they welcome little dogs. So poor little Reuben went there as well. And I say poor little Reuben because he's been a little bit traumatised by staying with his friend and, um, well, friend, Babette. I was going to say girlfriend, but it's not really. She's just his friend. Anyway, there we were in Kilrodery House and Reuben's nerves were uh, having a little break from being dominated and he sat on the floor underneath the table. And to my left, we were in the corner and to my left, there was a white window separating to four panes overlooking some bare winter trees with no leaves. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. I thought my students would really like that whole frame, framed view, framed by the window. So when my friend Jennifer left and we went about our respective days, I decided to nip back and carpe diem and all that kind of good stuff and go and draw the scene that I that had so caught my eye. Now, 
what can I say? It's a little bit challenging to describe in words, but I'll do my best. I wanted to capture the brilliant white of the white sky outside the window. And yet the window frame itself was white. So the way I did that was to give the white of the window a very, very, very pale layer of Payne's grey. So the merest hint, the merest touch of a diluted Payne's grey was enough to take the white off the frame and to turn the window frame into something a little bit darker than the bright sky. And in so doing, I made it look like the window frame was still white because it's against bits of concrete and plaster work that are even darker than it. But the white sky, the white of the winter sky is the brightest thing of all. And it's got dark, dark winter trees silhouetted against the sky outside and a little hedge at the bottom. And that was very enjoyable to do. It was tricky enough to get the composition right because, I don't know, maybe I should have pushed the uh, the window frame over to the right a bit more. Um, but I still had room enough for the very attractive print of the teapot to the left on the wall. And that was bright red. And then there's a little pop of red in the chair in the foreground. But again, I don't know, maybe I should have given a bit more, um, a bit more, uh, let's say, What's the word I'm looking for? Attracting the eye a bit more to the chair in the front, in the foreground, a bit more space. Um, I did. You only get the outside rim of the chair. So, I used my brown Fude pen, my Diatrementis ink, um, for the drawing part of it, and there really are very few colours in the overall sketch. There's the Payne's grey of the concrete, and I mixed a good bit of that deep sea black, the super granulating colour from Schmincke that I am so into at the moment. And what else did I do? Oh, I used a little bit of Emma Green ink by Roaring Klingner for the bottom of the hedgerows and the ivy climbing the trees. And I used red Diatramentis document ink to draw the little teapot. Actually, funnily enough, a lot of the foreigners who saw the picture asked me, had I misspelt the word tea? I'm like, no, 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 no. That's how we say tea in Irish. Irish is actually a distinct language. It's not a dialect, which is true. And it is also true that tea is tay in Irish. It does sound a little bit strange, I suppose, that they just mixed an E and an A around. But at the same time, the word for tea sounds almost identical in most languages, isn't it? I don't know. Go through them in your mind. You see what I mean? Anyway, that aside, that's how we say it. End of. <laughs> so, yes, I used a lot of sort of tricks with values. Not tricks exactly, but always asking myself, what is darker than what? Is this patch of wall darker than the wall next to it? So if you break everything down like that, is this bit of window frame darker or lighter than the sky that I'm looking out at? Well, that's your values, isn't it? That's how you get your values right. So that's what I did. I went through the whole sketch in that way and I darkened up bits that needed darkening and I left white bits that, that needed being left white, like the sky, that was about the only thing, and a couple of shiny highlights. So there you go. That is something that you can try. Find yourself a nice window that looks out onto um, something wintry. It would be much different if I did it through a summer's window. In fact, it would be interesting to go back and do it in better weather. Good luck with that. I hope that works for you. And it's really, really nice to frame something, frame a scene 
via window and then frame it via the pages of your sketchbook. Fun, doable, bite-sized and full of interest. Good luck. Okay, I have this cool idea and tell me what you think of this. I think this is really cool. It's a theme park for sketchers, okay? It's a theme park for urban sketchers. And I figured that you would go in. It's going to be called, it's going to be called, I'm not doing it. It's going to be called Sketchopolis, right? So you enter the Sketchopolis. And when you go in, I obviously am not a very big thinker because the thing I have in my mind is 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 kind of small. And what I'm really going for is a kind of a Tato Park kind of vibe. So it's a theme park. And what I would do is buy up all broken old um, plant machinery from all over the world and maybe get some bashed up cool cars, you know, like cool vintagey ones. And I would dot those all over, um, all over the inside of the place, like open air, obviously. But I would dot them once you go through these magnificent gates with Sketchopolis written on a banner outside. Or maybe one of these big, tall things. I don't know. But anyway, in you go. And then there's like old grain sorters or uh, old uh, bottle glass manufacturing units. I don't even know. And then all around the perimeter, you've got like rooms. Okay, big rooms, big, big rooms. And there's a massive screen at the end of each room. And there's loads of people sitting around um, at tables and you can go into any one of these rooms at any time. And every half an hour, there's a new class starting um, and it's hosted, it's it's um, streamed and it's from like places all over the world and each hosted by a different tutor. So you might go into one room to be taught how to do, I don't know, people in a busy market in Malaga. Or you might go into another room and there's um, a wonderful German sketcher teaching you how to draw the auto autobahn. I don't know. Uh, who else? Well, I mean, obviously, I can think of names and we can all think of our favourite sketchers. But there'd all be there'd all these tutors and they'd love it because because we're always trying to, you know, uh, turn a buck as sketchers using our talent and our skill. And it would be fantastic because you'd have a million different varieties of uh of different, you know, um, sketching techniques and so on to pick up and learn. And you'd arrive with your bag full of cool sketching stuff and your favourite stuff and off you'd go. And then there'd be an artificial lake so you could do your reflections. And maybe there'd be some, um, oh yeah, how about some old out-of-service ships in this artificial lake? Um, And then you'd have some um, trees, some copses of trees and then you could do your foliage. Um, and then there'd be massive, lovely cafes where you could do people in a cafe. Now, y- you you could all do all this just by going to your local cafe in town or your local actual non-artificial lake. But the point is, you could do it together and all in one place. So anyway, I, st- I said this to Marcel, my husband, and he said, Ro, awful idea, awful, terrible. I said, no, 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 you don't get it. It'd be really, really cool. No, no, please stop. Please stop. This is the worst idea you've had ever. And I said, no, 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 you, 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 you've missed it. I said, I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll buy a small piece of land or a piece of unused, unwanted land near Dublin Airport. So people could just, you know, you know, get a, get a, get a shuttle bus. In fact, I'll buy one of the old car parks, the airport car parks. 
In fact, I won't even put anything in it. They can just draw the cars in the car park and then they'd feel under pressure because any minute now, anybody could be coming back from their halls, their travels abroad and take their car away. So you'd have that wonderful sense of uh, urgency that is so useful for a sketcher. He said, no, please, Ro, forget this terrible, terrible idea. And uh, so I went on about how wonderful it, it, this idea would be. And then Marcel said, why don't you buy up the land next to the two Dublin incinerator chimneys? And I said, oh, now you're talking. He said, yes, you could call it urban waste sketching. And I said, OK. And he said, yes, well, fling loads of money at SEO. And so it would always come up first on your Google search. And he said, and then, and I was like, haha, this is great. He's really getting into the spirit of this. And then he said, and we'll make a crypto coin. And I said, oh, you had to ruin everything, didn't you? Bring in crypto. He said, no, 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 we'll bring in a, we'll be, bring in a token. It'll be a coin, a new coin called waste. <laughs> so anyway, things kind of fell to pieces at that point. And then I thought about it over the next couple of days. And I thought, I said to him, look, I said, I'll get VC on board. I'll just get a venture capitalist to come along and... He said, Ro, their whole business is to take your money and everything you have. I said, yeah, yeah, that's true. And then I thought about it and I thought, you know, it would probably be raining all the time, being Ireland. And so it really would be an urban wasteland. And then it really would be gritty. But the problem is the children would try to climb in all the exhibits and they would fall and get injured and they'd get tetanus. And... (laughs) And yeah, it would be a very, very bad and miserable venture and it would close, I would say, two weeks after it had opened. So there you go. That's the beginning and the end of Sketchopolis, where you come to sketch. Oh, well. Well, things have developed between Ruben and his sometime friend stroke enemy stroke who on earth knows what goes on between two little doggies. So Ruben and his friend Babette, they do get along very well. But the thing is, Babette is a little bit bigger. She's younger, but I don't think either of the dogs know that. Actually, that's actually that. Yeah, that's in her favour because that makes her younger and stronger. But she's she's a little bit bigger than Ruben. She's got black scruffy hair and he's got white fluffy hair. And Babette is, Reuben is staying in her house while I'm staying up in in Wicklow with my father. So Babette needs to make it very clear to Reuben at all times that it is her house, she is the boss and he is only there by her grace and favour. Now, on the face of it, it looks like they're having a great time. They charge around like a pair of Keystone Cops in the door, out the door. You never know whether they're coming or going and they're just charging around the two of them. It's very, very cute. And in fact, my father referred to them as the children by accident the other day. Would you let the children in? So it is like that. They are the children and it's very sweet. And the tails never stop wagging. And uh, and if Babette sits on the floor next to my seat at the table, she wags and wags and wags and wags and wags. And uh, my father says, her tail just never stops wagging, just never stops wagging. And I go, no, 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 it doesn't. And then, I don't know, the, the evil imp in me takes over and I go, yeah, but look at Reuben's tail. Look look how fast it's wagging. I'd say it's actually a good bit faster than, than my pets. <laughs> and my father does not take the bait. He's He's got the patience of Job with me. And uh, I wasn't getting anywhere the other day and he was going on about how waggy his dog's tail was. So I said, actually, Dad, it's funny you should bring that up because Reuben actually won a competition for... Uh, for tail wagging there 
the other day. He, he, <laughs> again, it was as if I didn't speak. So dad didn't, didn't laugh. And the only person who found it in any way amusing was me. And that's something, I suppose. Then I started looking at the two dogs together. And I noticed something funny. Sometimes they come in for a little kiss, which is very cute. The, the, the large, slightly larger dog and the slightly smaller dog, one black, one white, noses touch and it's very like, oh, look at them. They're doing a little kiss. That's so sweet. But then he watch a bit closer and Reuben might be sitting down, like on his little rump. He's sitting, well, sitting up. You know what I mean? He's sitting upright. And Babette will come over and she does this little thing with her pointy nose and she goes into his face. But the nose keeps going. It keeps going. It doesn't stop. It keeps going forward. And he has to keep putting his head back and back and back. And her nose keeps going forward until eventually he falls over. <laughs> so basically she's saying, hey, yeah, yeah, you think you could relax there, did you? You thought you could just sit down and relax. <laughs> really? <laughs> so that's what she's doing. And I've noticed as well that um, if they're out running around in the uh, cliff walk or somewhere local, if Reuben runs up a little grassy verge, well, she has to make sure she runs up a, up a little bit higher. It's like she goes, oh my God, he's higher than me. And she races over and you can see it. She runs as if in a panic to be higher than him. She has to be in front when he's walking along. And when you call him over to pat him, it's a big mistake, really, because she then feels, oh, no, it's it's actually coming. It's coming true. They're taking over. He's taking over. So you, she immediately charges forward and tries to get to you first and get her paths. And on the one hand, I know people be like, no, they've got to be equal. It's not fair and all this. But actually, you would make things a lot smoother for both of them if you only called Babette over and if you made sure she got all the tidbits in front of him and he didn't get anything. Because I know it doesn't fit well for humans and everything, but you would be putting her at rest to say, look, don't worry, you've got this. This is your place. No one's going to turf you out. Your daddy is your daddy and I don't want you anyway. So then she would stop having to reinforce this this pattern. It's all the time on Reuben. And when I when I took Reuben back to Galway on Friday morning, the second he was in the car, well, I'm telling you, he did not move. I kept wondering, even though I'd put him in and I'd shut the door behind him, even and I knew he was curled up on the back on the floor of the back of the car, even even still I kept wondering if I'd forgotten him because you could not hear a sound out of him. I think he was exhausted. He was nerves must have been shattered. And we pulled up into my drive and uh and we let him in and his two toys were on the floor exactly where he'd left them the week earlier. <clears throat> but he was so overjoyed to see his teddy on the floor and he was like, Rrr. and he never growls and plays with anything when he's in Babette's house. He doesn't dare. He doesn't dare speak. So anyway, he, he spent a very happy weekend in his own world, in his own patch. Didn't seem to cock his leg as much. Okay, what's going on there? That's a bit weird. Neither did he cock his leg much in Babette's house. I don't know what's going on there. You would think he did. Now, he did a couple of times, but only teeny, 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 tiny drops. So, um, although it only is ever teeny, teeny, tiny drops. And Babette, as I explained in the last episode, she's been peeing around the place as well. And there's a small little rug in the kitchen next to the, uh, next to the exit to the deck. And she decided to pee on that and my father decided not to bother cleaning it and not to bother um, telling her not to or keeping her away from it. He's just rolled it up. He cleaned it the first time she did it and then he rolled it up and put it away. So he's just like, you know what? Don't need this rug. It'll be grand until Cinny comes back. Cinny being my mama. 
So there you go. That is the tale of two little doggies. And um, it's lovely to see them together. It really is. Um, I can't keep up the whole nappy thing with Reuben. Someone very kindly suggested that Reuben would stop peeing if he uh, was neutered. But I'm afraid he's keeping his crown jewels because we would like to have little princes. See that? That was good, wasn't it? We would like to have little baby Reubens at some stage because Reuben's the coolest little dog apart from the leg cocking. And uh, yeah, although I don't know. What, what, do you know what, lads? I actually would welcome your thoughts about going from one dog to two, um, especially if they're two tiny little dogs and very well behaved and all the rest of it. Oh yeah, the other thing is my father keeps telling me how amazing his dog is and how Reuben is this, that and the other. And I say, yeah, but you see, Dad, Ru- Babette does pee on the uh, on the carpet and... Uh, I said, that's what you get if you don't pay for your dog. You know, you have to you have to go to the expensive, expensive dog shop. <laughs> Poor dad. I, I'm merciless, but I like it. I like, I like, I like, you know, ribbing him over, over all this. We're having a very nice time in Bray and we have watched many is the movie together. And we watched um, Equalizer 2 the other day with uh, Denzel and it was, it was great. Really, really enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. But then my recommendation comes with a small caveat. I don't do deep, meaningful films. Well, that's not true. That's not quite true. I do like deep, meaningful films, films but I have a quite a, a low boredom threshold. And my father might be the same because we were watching um, The Runaway Jury. And well, I didn't give it a chance because I was on my phone the whole time. And... Uh, and dad, dad was watching it and he, he, he was not interested. And eventually, and he kept falling asleep anyway. And eventually he said, Ro, are you watching this? And I said, no, 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 dad, come on. Will we try something else? And he said, no, no, I'm going to go to bed. I said, come on, dad, we'll give one more movie a chance. Come on, we'll try The Equalizer too. Look, come on, we'll try this. No, no do you know what? I, I think I'll just go to bed. I said, no, no, come on, come on, come on, give it a chance. So uh, we turned it on and I said, dad, I, I, I swear, this is going to be really violent. It'll be grand. Don't worry, you'll get into it. And he goes, oh, I don't know, I might just... Uh. I said, no, 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 any minute now, it's going to be violent. I swear, it won't take long. Dad, Dad, come on. And within seconds, a huge knife had been produced. And it was like... Whoosh, 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 whoosh. And uh, people were getting carved up all over the place. So uh, so I hope that doesn't count as a spoiler, but then it is Equalizer too. And what do you expect, you know? Um, anyway, it was brilliant and it was full of violence and we enjoyed it thoroughly from start to finish and neither of us fell asleep and I didn't even go on my phone. So now that's pretty, that's saying something. So I highly recommend that. There you go. That's my recommendation. Many years ago, I used to sing at parties. I used to sing songs at the end of a night with plenty of pints on me. But it wasn't it, it wasn't jolly songs that I was singing. It was mournful, slow songs, Irish songs, songs about ghosts appearing out of nowhere. And you'd only find out there goes the course at the very end. And uh, stories of rebels that didn't quite, you know, make it past the firing squad and all sorts of very, very sad songs. Songs of loneliness, homesickness. There wasn't a jolly song I- amongst the whole lot in my repertoire. And I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And people go, oh my God, oh my God, you're singing. And so, of course, it all went to my head and uh, didn't take very much persuasion for me to sing sing a song at a party. And then one day my father was present at one of my sing-songs and he said, or one of my singing events, and he said, Roisin, you're, you're killing the party stone dead with your singing. Do you know that? 
And it, I suddenly realised he was right. He was right. I was killing the party stoned out with my singing. And I, I resolved I'd never do that ever again because there's nothing worse than killing a party stone dead. And I never did. I never did. I never sang again at a party. I never really sang since. I mean, I sing, you know, along with with songs and drive my poor son Paddy crazy because he's got very sensitive, uh, he's got very sensitive hearing to anything wrong in a song, which of course I have plenty of that. Anyway, I was sitting with my father over dinner the other night and uh, the subject of singing came up. Dad's love, he, dad loves singing. And apparently his grandfather was such a wonderful singer that the Protestants even came to hear him. Hang on, how does that work? Okay, he was such a wonderful singer. This is what he did. He sang at the Mass. Um, but he was so fabulous that the Protestants got him to sing at the Protestant uh, service as well, which of course is, it was totally unheard of back in the day. And uh, unfortunately, my grand, my great-grandfather... Never got a chance to have um, riches and fame and fortune because TB knocked him out when he was only in his, he would have been in his early 30s. Uh, no, he w- he might have been in his late 30s. My grandfather was five when he lost both his parents to TB and he was raised by his older sisters. So I guess they must have been a bit older than him. Well, they must have been. I hope they were anyway. So, um so my grandfather was a wonderful singer and my great grandfather, sorry, my grandfather didn't sing as far as I could tell, a little bit maybe. And my my dad is a, he's a, he's a grand singer, but nothing like, uh, he wouldn't be someone to run up and take the mic <clears throat> like some people around here, i.e. me. Anyway, we were sitting around the table and the subject of singing came up and dad told me that I have a, a lovely singing voice. And uh, I said, no, I don't, Dad. You told me that I was never, ever to sing at a party because I would kill every party stone dead. And uh, he didn't really take it on board. And I had to explain to him that the reason for that was that my songs were always miserable and slow. And he asked me, like what? And he sang a few bars or something. And I pitched in and I sang She Moves Through the Fair. She Moved Through the Fair, which is a very well-known song and has been covered by the likes of Sinead O'Connor and... Uh, who else? Oh, I don't know. Probably Luke Kelly. Just the lot of them. The lot of them. They've all they've all covered that song, and I sang it for my dad. And you know what? It was lovely. And no one told me to be quiet and stop hurting the rears. And my father listened happily from start to finish. And yes, it is a miserable song. And yes, it does turn out that the person is a ghost at the end. Wow, or is it a dream? Oh, Irish songs are always so sad. Um, except the fast ones. I do know a few fast ones that are always about um getting getting the uh getting it on, get getting friendly, getting fresh. But um oh yeah, on that by the way, I was told by a boyfriend who knew about these things back in the eighties, I think. He knew about stuff, he knew about songs and music and folklore and Irish stuff. And he told me that the um the instrumental bit in the middle of these songs is where everybody's off having sex. So there you go. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's true. Maybe it's not true. Maybe they're fairly fast because, you know, these instrumental bits aren't very long. Or maybe the singer's just taking a break. I don't know. So it was really lovely. So there you go. Singing going on and also dancing because my father and I will sometimes try to illustrate a point by explaining, well, this was going on and then you'd get up and do a kind of a dance or something. And uh, obviously in the context of dancing, <laughs> we were just trying to illustrate where I failed my driving test by a little dance or something. No, <laughs> we're not completely lunatic. But dad, the the subject of dance comes up a lot. Dad is very, very sad that dance is no longer 
Um, he keeps going on about how it's no longer taught in schools. No primary schools teach dance. Actually, they do, Dad. They do, but not the type of dan- dance that Dad wants to be seen taught. The type of dance they teach in primary schools up and down the country is Irish dancing, and it's brilliant. And uh, they actually teach dancing, formal dancing in secondary school as well, because there are always musicals in the uh, in the secondary school um time the kids are there and I've been to many of them and they are exceptional with top class formal dancing yes dad the polka dad wants everybody to learn the polka for some reason so there you go lots of singing and lots of dancing going on in dad's house in Bray and we are having a lovely time Well, we're nearly at the end of this particular episode of Sketch Therapist. Now, I want to remind you of a couple of cool things that you can do this summer with me in the field of sketching. I will be in Dunmore East in County Waterford from the 5th to the 7th of July inclusive. I will That will be with artform.ie, so look up artform and you'll find all the details there. So it's three days of sketching in a really cute little fishing village down in County Waterford. Then we have two weekends in at the end of August. So the last two weekends of August, I uh, can't remember the dates, I think one of them begins on the 17th, which is a Thursday. So factor in the Thursday because that's the day of the start, the meet and greet. Um, two separate weekends, probably different subjects. So you could, in theory, come to both, but there might be a couple of overlapping subjects. But you know, choose one or the other, unless you really want to hang out in Galway. Um, they will both be very small, no more than six people in each, because that's my favourite number. And you can get in touch with me and I'll give you more details. That's all I have at the moment. Now, there will no doubt be something else happening because it's lovely to get together and have fun. Meanwhile, I have my weekly classes, thrice weekly, thrice weekly, if you don't mind. Saturdays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, different times according to whatever time zone you're in. But in GMT, they're two o'clock Saturdays in the afternoon, 7pm Tuesdays and 10am Wednesdays. So there's a good spread of time zones to try and suit as many people as possible. Uh, What else do I have to tell you? Still got Dublin and sketches and stories in stock, uh, running quite low on those. Uh, clean out of Urban Sketchers Galway must get some more in have a box of Urban Sketching handbooks somewhere can't find it and as for paints I'm clean out of paints at the moment so I'm not very good in the old stock department at the moment but I will I will replenish them and see how I get on um, I think that's it don't have anything else to tell you all I can say is hurrah the winter is drawing to a close but while the trees have still got no leaves you need to go out and sketch them you need to go out and sketch them because they're so cute. And I've got a oh, I've, do you know what I've got coming up, actually? I'm going to have bundles of classes on offer, bundles of classes, and they'll be categorised according to a theme. So you might be able to buy six classes on perspective and I'll throw in one for free out of that. So you might have six classes on reflections. OK, with one thrown in for free so there'll be a bit of a discount and it'll be hopefully everything that you ever wanted to know about reflections in different weather and wind conditions um then there'll be one on people there'll be different classes in the category according to uh, different situations that you might find people so i just thought that'd be a nice thing to do and you know give you a discount if you bought a few of them together um i need to talk to my fantastic webmaster ronan 
and I will tell you when that is up and running because it won't be today or tomorrow but it will be soon. Be a nice way to get back into sketching with the nicer weather around the corner. Not quite here but lurking, lurking somewhere warmly around a corner somewhere so I look forward to doing that. Um, If you happen to be a person who organises urban sketching holidays or workshops do get in touch with me because gone are the days when I do solo um, solo when I organise everything on my own because it's just way too much work for one person but I do love I do love having students all to myself and I do love I, lo- I do love teaching so um, if you if you are someone who organises workshops and you would like to get the talent in well get in touch I'm sure you can figure out where to find me in fact why don't I tell you how to find me my email is sketchwithroisin at gmail.com so you can always drop me a line and by the way use that email don't be don't be shy send me your thoughts on going from two dogs sorry one dog to two as long as they're small that's one theme I want to know more about Um, I want to know your thoughts on oh do you know what there's a huge big category I want to talk about it's something I've been thinking about for a long long time how to get the balance right between bringing up children and managing to satisfy your own um your own let's say professional needs as an artist how would you say that your own artistic needs creative needs as an artist because sometimes it's very hard to get the balance right um i want you to get in touch if you have any questions about classes you can throw in your top and say pennyworth for themes always interested to hear and any ideas you have for themes for subjects and there was something else I wanted to ask you about Mm, I think that was it maybe there's something else but if there is I can't think of it okay guys I'll leave it at that and I wish you a very wonderful remaining couple of days of January and into the beautiful bright days of February we're going to have a Valentine's Day class just around the corner on guess what Tuesday the 14th of February and I can't wait for that it's going to be great fun so keep your eyes open and uh and join in one of the days they're always great crack and as always of course with whatever paints you're using whatever tools whatever pens whatever inks I wish you as always happy sketching well thank you so much for listening and just in case you've got a few more minutes to tack on something at the end well I've decided to kill the podcast (laughs) well I actually haven't I've decided to kill this episode stone cold dead with a song and this is the type of song that my father used to tell me not to do but now seems to rather enjoy so here you go just this once never again she moved through the fair My young love said to me, my mother won't mind, and my father won't slight you for your lack of kind. And she stepped away from me, and this she did say, it will not be long, love, till our wedding day as she stepped away from me and she moved through the fair 
And fondly I watched her move here and move there. And she turned her way homeward with one star awake. Like this one in the evening moves over the lake. The people were saying, no two were were wed. But one had a sorrow that never was said. And I smiled as she passed me with her goods and her gear. And that was the last that I saw my dear. Last night she came to me, my dead love came in. So softly she entered, her feet made no din. She came close beside me, and this she did say, It will not be long, love. Till our wedding day, it will not be long, love, till our wedding day.